Hi, I'm Chad Emerson, and this is the Downtown Explorer podcast, the virtual third place where we gather for interesting conversations with downtown innovators and entrepreneurs. Hi, everyone. Chad Emerson. We are back with the Downtown Huntsville Explorer podcast. This week, we have a double feature, husband and wife tech duo, Angie and Timo Sandritter. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yes. All right. So we're going to talk about tech. We're going to talk about office, and we're going to talk about how those come together in downtowns. But first of all, um, the first time I met you, Timo, you worked at a little company called Digium, and I went into your office and introduced myself, and you said, why would you ever want to build an office in downtown Huntsville? Do you remember that conversation? So clearly many, many, many (laughs) moons ago, when I was still young, innocent, and ignorant, apparently. Uh, but yes, of course I remember it. And, and, you know, for the longest time, being in Research Park, being close to, you know, my own home and, and, and to things like the airport and, of course, the university drive, it seemed reasonable for us to be in Research Park. But this is also bef- before downtown became a true downtown, at least, in, you know, by my measurement. So 2014, it didn't feel like a lot of uh, really eclectic entrepreneurs were gathering in downtown Huntsville. Well, I, I never thought we actually had a downtown, like a true downtown, right? I thought it was well a square, an interesting looking courthouse, and then a whole bunch of law offices around. And so there was no reason for me to ever go downtown for anything. And then, uh, you know, we slowly started becoming cooler and cooler, and the area around downtown became cooler and cooler. And I was like, huh, interesting what's going on there. And, you know, now the rest is history. So if at any point during this podcast you would like to apologize to me for laughing me out of your office, you're welcome to do so. Just let us know, okay? Well, I feel like it was a different downtown, so a different context, right? Just the opposite, though. I remember one of the first times I met you, Angie, um, you were working with the consulting, and that's when UAH briefly had a um, co-working space on Northside Square. I think you were working with Cygnus Strategies, is that right? Mm-hmm. And remember being downtown and you just talking about like, Okay, how do we get a bunch of smart people here, right? What appealed to you about this idea of being in an urban walkable area with entrepreneurs? So I think one of the points um, that was interesting is that I've worked in other locations. So we, you know, at the time, a company that I was working with at that point had their headquarters in downtown San Francisco, um, or we had offices in Europe. And so this walkability was really, really appealing. And I thought, okay, that's the type of audience that I want to recruit. So when we're looking for people to join our company, I wanted them to have kind of an innovative mindset. I wanted them to be able to be, you know, collaborative in nature. And I wanted them to be able to walk to lunch or be able to, you know, collaborate outside the office and have the office have more almost of a residential feel. And I didn't see that much in Research Park. And so a downtown area and a thriving downtown, which is what you described downtown Huntsville to be or coming to be, um, was what was appealing to me. So you would go to downtown San Francisco to visit with a client, right? What were some of the things that you looked forward to when you, you got done with the meeting and you walked out either at lunch or after work? What were some of the things you're looking for that you didn't have to get in a car to experience? I mean, it even started before the day began. Like I want to be able to get out of my hotel room, have a nice run in the morning, grab a good cup of coffee, um, you know, nothing that's a chain and be able to get a local cup of coffee, a nice juice or something, and then have eatery places for lunch, and then a place to collaborate with coworkers after work. So whether that's just some place to sit outside and, you know, grab something to drink or a place to just hang out, that was the environment that we saw. 
So you have these really cool offices now, and, and, and you're evolving in some office space. But I remember your first office space was on Northside Square, right? Right. And it was like in the back of a building. Tell but us it was cool. It was cool. It was How cool. did you end up there? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Angie is the one that, that found that space, and yeah. it was it was definitely a different time. <laughs> and, and there's times when I look back, and it's like, that was a cool place simply because we are like in this in this you know, law office on the upper floor and we had a whole bunch of people crammed in there and we had to walk through the law office <laughs> and through the kitchen to even get to our floor and there was definitely not a space where we wanted to have visitors. But it was still a cool and quaint place to hang out and, and truly every time we walked outside the door, I mean, it was a downtown, right? Because by the time we moved downtown and as you're right, I stand corrected, it, we had a downtown all of a sudden. It was no longer the, well, it's only legal offices and, or law offices in a courthouse. Now there's stuff happening. And so for us, it was a place we worked, but then as soon as we walk out of work, whether it's for lunch, before lunch, I mean, before we even start our day, or in the evening, we were in an environment that is nice and ambience, right? Where you have coffee, you have a drink, you have time to collaborate and still hang out with your friends. So you started downtown with Hoffa, am I pronounced that right? That's right. A, tell us Hoffa, what was that about? So Hoffa is a, is a German well, it's a family-owned German enterprise, right? They're about 2,500 employees, and they were originally only in the Dach region, right? So Germany, Austria, Switzerland. Well, they were to expand internationally because they signed international clients, and so they bought our consulting firm that you mentioned earlier. They bought it from us and then, you know, basically hired us to, to run their international business. So Angie became VP of Client Services. I became the global COO. And we told them point blank, well, we don't really want to move away from Huntsville, so what are you going to do? And they're like, well, write on a piece of paper what you want. We said, well, we want an office in Huntsville, but it also needs to be cool, and we need to follow our clients somehow. So that's why we had the office in San Francisco. That's why we had the, uh, the office downtown. But it was important for us to, to not just have an office space. We didn't want to be you know, that cookie cutter, whole bunch of modular offices, which nothing wrong with it. It was just not us, right? Because we are not DOD, we are commercial. And so it was always important to have the right audience to attract the right people and to be in an environment that's thriving, that's alive. Yeah, at that time, we were really focused on global customers and um, they never heard of Huntsville, Alabama. So when they would come to Huntsville, we wanted to present something that would be more familiar to what they were used to at that point. So you ended up moving um, to your current location on Franklin, and that evolved into RippleWorks, which was mm -hmm. no longer you were working for a company. You were the company owners, right? Tell us, Angie, what's RippleWorks? Because I know they work actually with the city of Huntsville. Or yeah. you work at the city of Huntsville. Um, good question. So RippleWorks is a performance acceleration tool. Um, we use things like business intelligence and data analytics to help organizations make decisions. So we want to look at... Um, really, what is driving an organization to success? How do you keep your people engaged? And these would be some of the analytics. There are a lot of analytics that exist for processes and tools and systems, but there aren't as many analytics that really help to optimize your people. And so that's where RippleWorks is focused, is helping organizations keep and engage their people so that they're optimized. So the city council in Huntsville here, they approved a couple of contracts with RippleWorks, uh, ones with HPD and mm -hmm. ones with the engineering or, you know, department. Tell us what the description of the company is, but what's actually, how, how do you interface with those two departments that are really, really important for our city? Yeah, very good question. So, I mean, 
these people are taxed. Um, they're distributed in nature. Um, they're oftentimes, especially when you're thinking about police in high-stress environments, um, and they have to do this um, in a very hypervigilant manner. And so allowing for leadership to understand the pulse of the people is where RippleWorks comes into play. So we really work to understand um, the the engagement level of these individuals, where are they susceptible to having workload strains, where are they susceptible to um, optimizing processes, and so things can be more efficient. And that's what RippleWorks really focuses on for these organizations. So Timo, uh, while those clients are super important, you've had some really cool clients too, like soccer teams. Tell us how professional soccer players and, and squads have benefited from RippleWorks. So just like Angie said, we're a performance accelerator, whether that performance is on the cognitive level, right, like for employees, enterprise, uh, just like police force or city employees. Uh, that same performance also relates to the professional sports teams where it's physical performance. And so from, from our platform's perspective, the binary code is the same. On one hand, we develop cognitive performance, like the training and development of an individual. On the other hand, we can develop physical performance based on different data that feeds into our system. Like if you look at professional sports, and if you're old enough to remember the movie Moneyball, Moneyball was basically a lot of different data sets that they correlated to put that perfect team together. That's basically what RippleWorks is doing. We work with a lot of different hardware components. You know, all the professional sports team use a variety of different um, data sets to, to look at their lactic acid, to look at their VO2 max, to measure their distance ran and their shots on goal, etc. Well, if you take all of those different data sets and you correlate them, you get an optimum. And that's basically what we do with sports teams. It is exciting to work with sports teams, but truth be told, um, our passion is more on the HR side. So, so we come from the HR world. And so while I probably look like a professional athlete, I feel more comfortable on the, on the enterprise side. Good. Clearly, this is not a video podcast because people would uh, question that. But um, no, you have played professional soccer over the years, though. You, I mean, tell us, tell us about that. Now they're on a tangent since you're trying to self-promote your previous life. No. So originally, when we were still with Hoff and we were in this professional setting of, of HR tech, <coughs> excuse me, we already had the idea for RippleWorks, right? And it's built on the ripple effect, right? So small things over a long period of time that create that, that wave that is sustainable. Um, because I was fortunate enough to play a little bit of soccer back in my days, 20-something years ago, I also met a whole bunch of people that are still playing soccer or that are still involved in soccer on a very high level. And so one afternoon, we were actually in Europe, we are in Germany, and we, we had dinner, and we talked about this idea of Ripple that we had. And uh, then German national team captain, that's a close friend of ours, he said, well, why wouldn't you do this in like the professional sports team? Because uh, we don't have any of that. Like, we would love to look at how you correlate data sets. Yeah, they ask us how our run, run was. They, you know, they measure the distance that we ran in the time. But there's nothing that correlates the different data sets. And so that's how, how Ripple was actually born with professional sports teams, simply because there was nothing there. At, at first, we were astonished simply because it didn't seem like it was that complicated to just correlate some data sets. But then when we started looking deeper into it, and we're talking about like some of the most professional sports teams in the world, the, the work that they've done, or even the, the devices they work with, was, was very rudimentary. And, and so for us, it seemed like a low-hanging fruit of going in there and, and really accelerating that performance, or at least correlating some data set, visualizing it for them, and then actionizing it. So if someone's watched the movie Moneyball, right, or read the book... Um, a lot of those ideas of gathering advanced data and, and learning from that, 
is it fair to say that's similar to what RippleWorks does? So I believe in the last three years, we probably collected more data than in the, the history of the world before. So there's a lot of data floating around. But what doesn't happen is it doesn't, it doesn't get properly analyzed, it doesn't get properly visualized, and it doesn't get pro properly actionized. I don't know if actionized is a word, but I'm a foreigner, so I can always, always claim it on that. What does it mean in German? What's the equivalent it's of that? Something, something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, but, but the, the point is that there's really a lot of data sets. They just don't speak to each other. And so for, from our perspective, it's really a matter of taking what's out there with secondary research, but then also doing our own research. Like we conduct primary research, whether it's through interviews, surveys, or even uh, sentiment analysis, then we also take that, that research and also feed it in our system to correlate it. So this is really cool. I mean, this is happening right here in downtown Huntsville. Um, but in addition to working it, y'all live the downtown experience because you have a place in Midtown Atlanta, um, which I've stayed at. It's a fantastic place. It's in the heart of a city. You know, Angie, when y'all were thinking about uh, a place in Atlanta, what drew you to the excitement, the energy of a tower in Midtown? It, again, the walkability. So, I mean, I hope this is okay to say on this podcast. Uh, but when I look at Atlanta, Atlanta has um, a cool infrastructure to the downtown. They're growing or the, the, the Midtown area, the surrounding areas to downtown. They're all growing and they're thriving. Um, and then I look at many people that live right outside of the what they call that perimeter area. And um, that to me is equivalent to living in someplace like Huntsville. So I feel like if we were going to be in Atlanta, I wanted to be in the Midtown area. And we had customers right near us. So literally within five minutes walking, we had some of our customers there. We still have our customers there. Um, so it is a really thriving area. Now, what's the trade-off? I mean, because if you live there full-time, it seems like it would get loud and there's not as much space and things like that. How do you balance, you know, What's the perfect balance of a urban walkable experience that also gives you the space that you need to sometimes feel it, feel like to breathe? Uh, for sure. So I feel like we have the best of both worlds, right? Like, cause I think Huntsville is continuing to grow and it has this, um, cool culture that's coming into the downtown area. You've got, I think generational, um, gaps here, which is, I, I think a really cool thing that you've got in downtown Huntsville. So you've got some of the historic old nature of the city, but then you've got a newer thriving energy that continues to come into this area and to Stovehouse and to the surrounding area. So I think that's really cool, the walkability of it. Um, and then, of course, the traffic is a lot better here than you would see in some place like Atlanta. And the cost of living. And the right. cost of living. Huntsville. There's that, too. I, I think <laughs> I tell I say to people all the time, even today, a VC called us and is like, what are you guys doing in Huntsville? I said, anybody that would leave Huntsville now must be an idiot or not care about money. Because I feel like Huntsville, can I say idiot? Okay, I did it anyways. But right now, Huntsville is growing. Huntsville is becoming better and better. I think the last five to 10 years have been way better than the 10 years before that, at least from my perspective, of the way that the, the, the city grows in its diversity, the way we have different coffee shops, different restaurants, people are outside, there's always something. It's almost dangerous to walk uh, to work downtown because every time I walk out of my office, somebody else is whistling at me, he's like, come on over, have a drink. And so I don't get to go home and you know take care of my children and my wife properly because I always feel like I have to go, no, joking aside. But, but there's a lot of stuff happening in Huntsville now that is just becoming more and more exciting. And the cost of living is still phenomenal, right? I mean, we can still, you know, have, you can buy a nice house 
Um, you can have some space to yourself. You don't have to worry about traffic and you have the best of all the worlds. So again, you know, moving away right now would not be a smart move. You've also invested in parts of Atlanta along something called the Beltline. I think a lot of people in Huntsville have probably heard about the Beltline now, but the Beltline is essentially an abandoned railroad line. But now some of the most interesting places are up and down the Beltline. Tell us about what it's like to live in a city that has the Beltline. So the Beltline, uh, to describe it just a bit further, it's it has taken, as you mentioned, the railways, and it's created this path that goes around it. And it's mostly a paved path that has breweries, it has um, large fields, it has um, lots of establishment. If people have gone to um, see the Crock Street Market or the, um, what's the other big Pond one? City. Pond City Market. Thank you. Um, that's all on the Beltline. So it's a, it's a work, play exercise kind of facility, but it, um, it's just amazing to see the, the city alive in that area. And so not and as much green space, but um, more community space. And what's, what's really fascinating is that people that buy property along the Beltline is some of the fastest appreciating property along an abandoned rail line, which is now converted into a path, which maybe tells you something about you know connectivity and walkability, right? Mm-hmm. I think that generation, that, that previous generation, they were more concerned about having a large house with a large backyard, big garage, and a lot of space. I think uh, the generation now, and I don't want to you know, profile it, but the millennials, they're more about that urban living lifestyle. And so what Angie said, the live and play community. So where you walk out of your house and you have your grocery store right there, and you don't necessarily have a lot of space to yourself, but because you're always out and about anyways. And I think that's exactly what's happening on the Beltline. I mean, there's a lot of condo or apartment complexes that are built on that Beltline, but in a mixed setting with like Kroger and Publix and all the other supermarkets and grocery stores. And of course, anything from brewery to restaurants to coffee shop. And so it's this whole, you, you know, you step out your door and you can live and you can play and there's incubators being set up where people go to work. And it's all about, you know, walking distances. So um, switching back to Huntsville, if you were to go out in an evening after work, walk us through what would be a fun evening what are you know you can name places if you want to but like what would be a great after work experience if you had clients in town from ripple works what would you do with them I think there's a lot you could do with them. Um, if we were to bring clients in town, so there's numerous restaurants that we could sit outside right here on the square, which is great. Um, I love the rooftop patio locations that are becoming more and more available to have a view over the city and the mountains in the background. That's all fantastic. Um, I think there's, you know, if you want to eat and veg and lounge, concerts to listen to, concerts in the park on a Monday night, all of those things are great. Um, I think for us, what uh, we also enjoy doing or just vegging after um, is is the collaboration of the community. So the beautiful thing about Huntsville is that we know many of the business owners here, and this is a phenomenal community. I mean, the intellect, the way that we can learn things and help to enhance what we're doing at RippleWorks and also helped other organizations. I love that time of being able just to meet other fellow business owners in the community as well. Um, similar question, Timo, if you had one of your old soccer colleagues from the German national team come over, what, what would you do with uh, what would you do with them to really get an authentic downtown Huntsville experience? So 
<laughs> interesting. That we've story. had a few of them already <laughs> here. And one, one situation was there was the, the birthday of the Saturn V rocket. Yeah. We've had several professional soccer players here, uh, I think at least three or four. And, uh, and, you know, what we show them normally when they come to Huntsville is, of course, the downtown area and all the stuff that we do. And, you know, I like working around research, par- I mean, I like, like working around um, Big Spring Park and I love getting, getting my coffee. Everybody knows I love my oat milk lattes. And then just that, that environment of where it's still growing, where it's becoming cooler, but it's also still a, has a familiarity where you still know people. I think that's one of the big plays of Huntsville. When I first came here, this was nearly 20 years ago, people always told me, hey, Huntsville is really good about giving back. And I didn't understand it for the longest time. And I remember when we had this small company you mentioned earlier, Digium, and and we were building the company, we had incredible mentors that simply helped us. And I always wonder, well, what are they going to want back? And they never cashed in on anything that they did for us. And there's people in this community that I will be forever indebted to, uh, but they've never made me feel that way. Huntsville is extremely special that way. And I've said that for years and I've said it to people from outside of Huntsville and, and, and of course also to, to City Hall and other people here in town that that is one of the things that is hard to, you know, uh, talk about but almost easy to show. So every time somebody comes, with a soccer player or a relative or anybody else, I show them the community. We walk to our coffee shop. We get an old-fashioned or a Sazerac or whatever the drink of the day is. We get something to eat. And you run into people that are open. We run into people that are friendly. And it's not rhetorical. It's not the how you doing and then they continue walking without waiting for your answer. It's the how you doing and having a conversation. I think that's what Huntsville, that's one thing about Huntsville that's super special still. Yeah, that's one of the cool things that we call them human collisions in a good way in, in urban walkable areas, whether it's on the Beltline or whether it's downtown Huntsville, where you bump into someone with a common shared interest and you end up having an unexpected but pleasantly surprising conversation, right? Well, this is a great conversation. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, thanks to Timo and Angie Sandritter for locating the worldwide headquarters of RippleWorks right in downtown Huntsville. Um, but all the things that being said is for being involved in the community, for advocating for entrepreneurial efforts and things like that. We like to wrap up each of our podcast with uh, a little segment we call the favorite five learning the personalities behind the people. Since we have a double feature here, I'll ask you both the same questions. We'll start with Angie and uh, these are designed to be one word answers. You're welcome to elaborate if you want, but they're just in- intended to be kind of fun. So are you ready for your favorite five? I guess so. <laughs> are you ready for your favorite five? <laughs> what I feel are like my favorite five? Is all Timo, Timo, well, Timo. no, actually, you're, this is prerogative to disagree. Number one, New York City Marathon or the Berlin Marathon? Oh, New York. Timo. New York. Two for New York. A weekend trip to Miami or Las Vegas? Angie. Miami. Miami. What's the perfect platform to reach the entrepreneurial community, Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. Yeah, I don't know anything about TikTok. <laughs> Instagram. I don't know either one of them, but yeah. All right, we'll start with uh, Timo on this one. Number four of your favorite five. Uh, better soccer player, Pele or Maradona? Wow, that's hurting. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Pele. Angie. I like the video, Maradona. And last one, you have a great meal. Is it a great burger or a great burrito? Oh, definitely great burrito. Burrito. All right. There is the favorite five from Team Joe. That's what happens <laughs> when you right. remember Timo it's and Angie. Be a love child. 
Timo and Angie Sandritter on the Downtown Huntsville Explorer Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We will talk to you next time. Thank you for having us.